Well, it's uh, really good to be with you. Uh, I've really enjoyed the times I've been with you here in this community. I just live uh, 26 miles away, so it's in the uh, community as well. I actually, Josh said that uh, I was here uh, at Christmas for a ministerial, and one of the unique things about this church that we really like, typically when we have our ministerial, it's lunch, and everybody brings a sandwich in. And uh, however, when we come here, uh, you guys provide a meal, and it's really a good meal. And that really ties in with what we're going to be talking about here today. We're going to look at uh, the fact that Jesus was the benefactor. And uh, a benefactor is someone who meets the needs of others out of his own storehouse. And we're going to look at a passage that has a strange term. It says that Jesus went around, and the word went around is the word traversed or walked. He just walked around doing good. And it's in Acts 10, which we'll look at in a moment. But it's the only place in the New Testament where this particular term, doing good, is used. And it actually is this. Jesus went around benefacting people. Benefacting. And that's our challenge today. We're going to look at the fact that Jesus is this tremendous benefactor to us and all the ways in which he's benefacted us, and that we too, through Christ, can go around and benefact other people in the same way. So if you turn in your Bibles, or we'll have it up here on the screen, the passage we're going to look at is in Acts chapter 10, and it's where Peter goes to Cornelius' house. Cornelius, this uh, Roman centurion soldier, who it says uh, was really attracted to the God of the Jews and was praying and giving alms. It came up as a memorial to God. And Peter, who would never, ever enter a Gentile's house or especially eat with them, was told to go to this guy's house. So he goes there and we pick up in Acts 10, verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what's right is acceptable to him. And for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and here's our verse for the day, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him, and we're witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. He gives the gospel here, and when we think of the gospel, we think of the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus Christ, and uh, boy, we all believe that, right? Jesus said, I came 
to give my life a ransom for many. But before that, he said, even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve, to benefit, to meet the needs of people, and the greatest need of all, the forgiveness of sins, and to give his life a ransom for many. You know, balance is about the hardest thing in life, isn't it? On this particular subject, there are those who really stress the, uh, the good man Jesus that went around benefacting, but they might not stress the fact that the greatest benefact he gives is his own life, a ransom for many. But if we're not careful, we can be out of balance as well. We stress the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit coming in to indwell us. And now what are we supposed to do between now and the time that we go to heaven? We go around benefacting. We walk as he walked. And that balance is so hard to get right. You know, I just listened to a sermon of a guy down in Texas, and he said, use this illustration on balance. He said, when I was a kid, to teach us how to ride bikes, we had what was called bike rodeo that the police department put on. And we all brought our bikes and so forth. And he said, and one of the events to teach us to balance our bike was we had a race, a hundred yard race, and this was the winner. Whoever could stay balanced and go the slowest won. <laughs> so you go as slow as you can, but stay balanced. And if you happen to get out of balance and put down your foot, you were penalized by uh, adding time. <laughs> So the key was to learn to be balanced. And I think this morning, that's one of our challenges. We look at this passage. I'm grateful that he goes and he shares. He says, Cornelius, you know, you've heard all about this Jesus of Nazareth. Now, remember, they didn't have the Bible. You heard about him. You were attracted to him. Now, Peter knew a whole lot more. He said, I'm a witness of this. I ate and drank with him after the resurrection. Well, you know, I live down by Potato Creek and being semi-retired, I have a lot of time now. I'm usually in Potato Creek about two hours a day with my dog. And uh, I usually will read something and maybe write it down on a three by five card and take a two hour hike and just think about a passage of scripture. Well, you know, I did that with this one phrase, and it really, really intrigued me. And that's this phrase, he went about doing good. He went around benefacting. And I got to thinking, in what ways did Jesus do that? I can't imagine this didn't happen. You know, it says in Scripture that Peter stayed there for a few days in Cornelius' home. Wouldn't you imagine that he would have said to Peter, Peter, you know, I've heard a lot, but you walked with him for three years. You said you ate and you drank with him even after the resurrection. What was it like to spend three years walking with Jesus, living with him? How did he go about, walk around, doing good? I was walking out of Potato Creek and I thought, well, I'll think about that. You know, we know that thing, uh, how do I love you? Let me count the ways. 
what are some of the ways? And I went through the alphabet, and I'm going to invite you to do the same with me. Now, I have the ones I've come up with, but I have a lot of others. I think it'd be a great assignment for you to think through, okay, what are all the ways that I've been benefacted from Jesus Christ and the way he did it in Scripture as we read Scripture? So if you take the Gospels alone, these are the things that I know Peter could have come up with and many, many more. The first one, we use the A, I came up with, he attended. And by that, I mean this. I think he could have told Cornelius, Cornelius, Jesus would go to weddings. Jesus would go to funerals. We didn't hole up in some synagogue. Cornelius, there's no holiness in a hole. <laughs> Jesus walked all around this countryside. We put in a lot of miles. You know that you can put four and a half Israels inside Indiana. That's how small that country is. And yet, scholars have come up with the fact with as a child going to uh, the festivals and so forth in Jerusalem, that Jesus walked maybe 23,000 miles in his 33 years. It's almost around the world. During those years, the Gospel of Mark, which is really Peter's Gospel that Mark wrote, 41 times it says immediately, immediately, immediately. We just, we were on the move. Jesus said, we need to go to all the villages around here. But I think he would say, you know, one thing we did, we, we attended weddings, we attended funerals. Jesus always went where he was invited. But boy, when Jesus came to a wedding, uh, he really had a, an impact on that wedding. One time, they ran out of wine, and he made more wine, and it was the good stuff. And then at a funeral, boy, you invite Jesus to a funeral, he'll raise the dead. <laughs> now, we can't go around doing that, and in some ways we can by sharing the gospel. But what about us? You know, one of the most moving experiences my wife and I both had, we're from Lima, Ohio. That's three hours from here. And when our parents died, every time, People from Trinity, this area, showed up. And uh, I was overwhelmed. I wept. It's like, you drove this far. You never met my parents, but they did it for us. You know, sometimes we want to do great and wonderful things for God. Maybe we ought to do simple better. <laughs> um, maybe we ought to do as uh, Mother Teresa said, we can't all do great things things for God, but we can do small things with great love. <laughs> Don't ever underestimate going to a funeral, going to a wedding, attending to other people. Jesus did that. B, he befriended. I think Peter would have said, you know, another thing about Jesus, Jesus had friends in low places. <laughs> he was accused of being the friend of publicans and sinners like me, he could say. Jesus, uh, he, he would eat with anybody to ask. Jesus had friends. Jesus never defriended and he never unfriended anybody. To the very end, he was trying to win over Judas and called him friend. Friend, you'd betray the son of man with a kiss? Jesus had a lot of friends. Do we have a lot of friends? Do we befriend people? You know, there's a guy in the Trinity Church. As a matter of fact, he was just voted in as a Supreme Court judge for 
uh, St. Joe County, Mark Taloyan. He has this wonderful thing he does. When he comes up, he'll say, hello, friend. I like that. <laughs> he befriended. Do we befriend? But when Jesus came to a party, he changed people that were there. He wasn't changed by them. Jesus changed people. And I think Peter could say, he sure changed me. <laughs> you know, this uh, series, The Chosen, there's this line where Nicodemus asked Mary, what happened to you? And she said, I was one way and then I was another, completely different. And the only thing in between was him, Jesus. Peter would say the same thing. I was one way and then I was another. I was Simon, I became Peter. And the only thing that made that change was me. I think he would have said to Cornelius, Cornelius, Jesus changes lives, changed mine, changed all kinds of people's lives. And they would have those stories. Remember, they had a few days to talk. Cornelius wouldn't have had that exposure. He knew some stories, but he's hearing a whole lot more from Peter. And then he could say he discipled us. And by discipled, it wasn't formal sitting in a synagogue all day. He walked, and we walked with him. He did that old type of discipleship that it says in Deuteronomy, when you rise up, when you sit down, when you walk along the way, always teaching, just using life. He used nature for teaching. He gave us. It was more like an apprenticeship in a trade more than anything else. I was a fisherman, and he said, I'm going to teach you how to fish for men. And it was a daily teaching just from the experiences of life. He discipled us. We're to disciple as well. But you know, discipleship isn't a 12-week course out of a little book. It's to take people with you. It's to, uh, you get so much more done. Uh, I think you've had uh, Jordan Muck here before from Community Gospel, good friend of Josh's. Jordan and I have... Uh, toured Israel together and shared the same room and all that. Uh, and uh, we know each other. That's what discipleship is all about. And, uh, and then I think he would say, and you know, we had to eat all the time. He would, he would, we ate together. He would eat with anybody. We shared so many meals from everything from a Pharisee to a uh, tax collector at his house a chief tax collector even. We were always, if you look at in the Gospels, Jesus is, I've said before, it's a good thing Jesus had to walk between meals or he'd have been way overweight because all through scripture, he's just eating all the time. Not only that, he brought the food a lot of times. <laughs> he provided the food. Do you eat with people? Someone asked me once, they said, what would you attribute your success if you caught that at Trinity Church over those 26 years, and I said, thousands of cups of coffee. <laughs> thousands of cups of coffee. Meet with people all the time. Um, Jesus did that. I think Peter could have said, you know, last time I ate with him, it was on the beach. He provided fish for 11 guys. Uh, before that, one time, one time, we fed 5,000 men, count women and children, might have been 15,000, 20,000 there. Jesus 
had compassion. He said, you can't send these people home hungry. We got to provide food. Do you eat with people? Do you share a meal? Uh, never underestimate the power of sharing a meal with someone. With purpose. Jesus always had purpose in it. More than just feeding his own body. You know what he said to that Samaritan woman, to the men afterwards, uh, I have bread you don't even know about. And that would be spiritual bread. And then uh, G, he grieved with people. He, it, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, the death of Lazarus, he wept, he grieved with people. As a matter of fact, when he came into Jerusalem on, on uh, uh, Palm Sunday, he was weeping. Ah, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how many times I would have gathered you unto myself as a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you wouldn't let me. Do you grieve with people? We're to rejoice with those who rejoice and we're to grieve with those that grieve. We share the emotions of life with people. We don't live in little silos isolated. Jesus was with the people. He had compassion. His heart went out to people. I think Peter would also say, and you know what else? And he said, boy, this was a tough one. It made Jesus really angry. Jesus got very indignant at me over this. People kept bringing children to Jesus. And we shoved them away. We said, go away, go away. Don't bother him. And one of the few times I saw Jesus this way, he, uh, the word indignant there is used of a horse that snorts. He snorted. <laughs> Stop it. Let the little children come to me if such are the kingdom of heaven. And he took them up in his arms and he held them. He touched people. He held children. He touched lepers. I just had a funeral director tell me uh, that their business has changed so much in this way. First of all, St. Joe County, it's 75% cremation now. Uh, and a lot of people don't have a funeral at all during COVID. Uh, and he said, uh, and we were always taught that we, we should touch a person, uh, show compassion. He said, but now we, we're scared to death to go near a person. He said, it's really made it hard for our profession. What would Jesus do? Uh, I'm not saying don't be careful. What I'm saying is it's not good to everybody live afraid of each other. What would Jesus do? Jesus held children that were rejected. Um, I, he initiated. If you wait around for people to come to you, you're going to get very little accomplished. Again, Jesus didn't set up shop in a synagogue at Capernaum by the road and have people make appointments. Jesus was always out there initiating. I must, I must needs go through Samaria. That's where he met the Samaritan woman. Uh, he initiated, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. He invited himself. <laughs> uh, by the way, Jan and I, my wife's here, we've done that recently with uh, some elderly people that are kind of locked up at home. Called them up and said, hey, we're picking up a pizza what kind of pop do you come like? We're coming to your house for supper and we're bringing it to you. Do you know what that means to those people? We can all do that. Initiate. Don't wait. And then Jay, 
And again, this one, I bet you didn't expect that, did you? Jesus, what verse does it say Jesus jumped with them? <laughs> the Greek word for rejoice is to jump up and down repeatedly, to jump. Peter could have said, you know, one time Jesus sent us out by twos and we came back. We were so excited. We were rejoicing. We were jumping up and down for joy because the demons were being cast out by us. And Jesus, it says, lifted up his face toward heaven and he rejoiced. He jumped up and down. And then he said to us, don't rejoice because the demons obey you, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Jesus got excited. He jumped up and down. He rejoiced with people. And that's what's being said. Show excitement. Get involved in other people's lives. Uh, a kid that does something in sports, whatever. Show action. Jesus was full of life. I think these are the things that Peter would have been telling Cornelius. Tell me more. Okay, we'll go to... Okay. He knew people. He knew us. He knew all men. Man, could he read people. But he also knew me. He, uh, he knew that I tended to put my foot in my mouth. He knew that I was kind of violent, temperamental, or whatever. James and John, he knew they were sons of thunder. Nobody had to tell him about people. He knew all people. And yet, even though he knew them, he, he encouraged them. He looked for the good in people like me. And... James and John and others, he, he knew people. Know people, get to know people. Uh, knew their fears, knew, knew their backgrounds. Uh, blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah. Uh, he loved. John 13, it says he loved to the end. I think he could say, wow, you know, at the Last Supper, um, I know he was disappointed in us, particularly me, Nobody would wash anybody's feet. He took a towel and uh, washed our feet because, as it says in John 13, he loved us to the end, to the nth degree. Even though he had disappointed us, he was disappointed in us, we knew he still loved us to the nth degree. M, he, he met with people. Even when it was inconvenient, one time this Pharisee who became a believer uh, named Nicodemus, uh, he wanted to meet with Jesus, but he didn't want it to be known. So he said, can we meet after dark? After a long day in Jesus' life. And Jesus didn't say, well, no, how about nine o'clock tomorrow morning? He met with him at night. He inconvenienced himself to make it convenient for the other person. Do you do that? Do we do that? Uh, again, Jesus initiated and he would do anything to be able to meet with people. I think Peter could have said that. He, uh, he made an effort to make certain, even at his own convenience, that he could meet with people. And he named people, renamed them. Peter could have said, you know, my name is Simon. But when Jesus met me, he called me Peter. He said, uh, Peter, which means rock. He's going to make something out of me. So he named me. A term of endearment, sons of thunder wasn't. It was just saying, you, you guys have got a lot of life, but it needs to be tamed down a little bit here, you know. 
Uh, he would name people. Do you have terms of endearment for people? You know, down at Petita Creek, there's uh, another guy that walks down there with this huge, huge dog. And uh, a couple weeks ago, we came along there, and, and I've got a little 40-pound Australian shepherd. I think this is a police dog, but it's shepherd, but it's... Uh, so at any rate, we came along, and we stopped Chad for a moment, and I said to him, I said, what's your dog's name? And he said, well, his name's Bullet, but I call, I call him Puppy. I said, Puppy? I said, how old is he? He said, 10. I said, what does he weigh? He said, 135. He said, what's your dog's name? I said, well, she came with the name Heidi, but I call her little one. <laughs> and we both laughed. We had terms of endearment for our dogs. Um, now, that is an improvement. We used to have another dog. It was brown. Its name was Brown Dog. Just generic. Brown Dog, you know. I never did like that dog, by the way. Uh, no term of endearment there. But have you ever thought about Jesus had nicknames for people? Because he liked people. He liked people. Uh, oh, he opened their spiritual eyes. I think uh, Peter would have said, you know, I was blind as a bat spiritually. But he opened my eyes. I saw him physically open people's eyes, but also spiritually. Like I remember that one time, I, he said, who do, who do people say I am? And, and I said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. I, I just finally figured it out. And he goes, blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah. Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my father in heaven revealed that to you. Jesus revealed things to me. He opened up my spiritual eyes. We can do the same thing. Um, and it can come in strange ways. I belong to this hiking club. Yesterday we had a hike and there's a gentleman that's fairly new to the faith and uh, he walked with me and he had a lot of questions. And at the very end, he said, thank you for talking to me today. And all I did was he opened his eyes to a few things. Another thing I think Peter could say is he prayed with people and for people. Uh, as a matter of fact, one time in Capernaum, man, crowds were coming and couldn't find him. I went out early in the morning, says this in Mark 1, and I found him and I said, Jesus, all kinds of people are there. And he goes, let's leave. I... I I got to hit all the villages and I got to share with other people as well. But he was out there praying. And I remember he prayed all night before he picked us to be his disciples. He prayed so much and it was so much happened that we went to him one time and said, would you teach us how to pray? He did. He prayed for us. We can pray for people too. But let me tell you, powerful thing, very powerful. Don't tell people, I'll pray for you. Pray for them right then on the phone, right then in the parking lot. It will amaze you the effect it has. You tell somebody I'll pray for you, they don't know if you ever did, and you might not, you'll forget. But if you stop right then and say, this pray right now, I can't tell you how powerful that is in life to people, to know that you're praying for them. Um, Peter said, um, I really messed up one time. Uh, I was so arrogant, and I 
said I would never deny you and denied I even knew him three times. Later, he said to me, he said, Peter, I, I prayed for you so that, or this is before, so that when your faith fails, it won't totally fail, but you'll come back and then you can encourage your brothers. He said, I prayed for you because Satan wants to sift you like wheat. Boy, he did. I'm so grateful he prayed for me. He's praying for us today, but pray for people and let them hear you do it. That's of great benefit. Q, what are we going to do with Q? Well, he questioned them. And that's a, can you imagine Jesus asking questions? Peter, who do you say I am? Where are we going to get food? <laughs> it's a great honor to ask a person a question. Jesus was always doing that even in his teaching as well. You honor a person when you say, well, what do you think? Just ask, ask questions. How would you define God? If you were to describe God, what, would, what terms would you use? Makes people think. R, he revealed the Father. He said, you know, uh, Philip, right at the end, said, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus said, oh, Philip, how long have I been with you? And you still say, show me the Father. When you've seen me, you've, shown, you've seen the Father. We would have never totally known what God the Father is like unless we saw it, God the Father in Jesus. You and I can do people a great service when we reveal through our lives the Father. S, he sanctified them. This is my favorite one. It's the one that I'm striving to do. In John 17, he says in that prayer, Father, I sanctify myself so that I can sanctify others. What he's saying is, I set myself aside unique as holy for your purposes to live a holy life, to obey you so that I can pass that on to others. We, we ought to strive to be a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. We ought to strive to live a holy life so that in our sanctification, our growth, we can help other people to grow as well. Jesus said, I do this for them. T, trusted. I like this one too. He sent us out by twos. He trusted us. He sent us out on missions. He gave the food to us and told us to distribute to the people. He trusted me. We talk a lot about trusting Jesus. Can he trust me? I think we give people things to do, and uh, it's a statement of trust. Those that are growing this morning to have your son come up and uh, share a verse. Those are all statements of trust. He trusted us. Uh, to you, he united us. Let me tell you about the 12 he picked, Cornelius. No one would have done this. He picked a zealot and a tax collector in the same team. <laughs> what kind of guy does that? But yet we were united around him in all of our differences. Actually, I'd like to think this. When Jesus sent him out by twos, he said, okay, Matthew, you, and Simon the Zealot, you go out together. <laughs> Who wants to go out with Judas? <laughs> Probably everybody, because they thought pretty highly of Judas. Um, 
James and John, not you two, you'll get in a fight. You know, send somebody else out there. But he, we united around him with all of our differences. And we can too. We can actually make friends with people much different than ourselves. T, or U, V rather, uh, W, W. V, W, next one. He walked with us. He just lived life with us. You know, I uh, recently read a book called God Walk and how often the word walk is used in scripture to describe the Christian life. And actually, Josh uh, told me that he uh, picked that book up and is reading it as well. I love this. They just walked around. Now, not everybody can do this, but you know one of the things I do today? Somebody wants to meet with me, I'll say, uh, hey, have you ever walked around the lakes at Notre Dame? It's beautiful out there. How about that we go for a walk? Now I have a cup of coffee out there. There's something about walking with a person and talking. And they got to do that every day with Jesus. They just walked all around the country. He walked with us. Remember the term he went about? He traversed. We just went all around Israel doing all kinds of things. That was our discipleship. But he walked with us. Walk life with people. X, he played the xylophone. I'm joking. <laughs> I was trying to find an X, and so I had to stretch it a little bit. Jesus told us to go the extra mile. These Roman soldiers, you know, Cornelius, you're one of them, they have the authority by the Roman government to grab any Jew, hand their pack to him, and say, you walk it one mile. Only one mile. Then they have to take it back. Jesus said, if you're told to walk a mile, go two. Can you imagine maybe having to Jesus? Tired Roman soldier walks a mile. He goes, oh, kid. Okay, kid. Give me my pack. He goes, you know, you look tired. I'll, I'll carry it another mile. What? <laughs> Shocking. Go the extra mile in life. Jesus stretched himself out. By the way, it says he poured out his life into death. That wasn't just on the cross. His whole life was a pouring out. Go the extra mile. Shock people with your generosity, with whatever you do. Why? He yielded to the Father's will. Now, we don't know this for sure, but perhaps Peter said, you know, in the garden, he was over there praying, and I heard him scream out, not my will, but thy will be done. His whole life was yielded to the Father's will. He always pleased the Father. Never saw Jesus do his own thing. He always did, and he did it perfectly, yielded to the Father. And then Z. He was zealous, boiling over. There was this time where he lived out that Old Testament statement that zeal for his father's house threw him up. We went down to the temple and... Uh, out where in the courts where the Gentiles gathered, they had set up booths so that the Gentiles would have no place that they couldn't come to the temple. And he got so, again, indignant. His nostrils flared. He made a whip. He ran them out. He said, don't make my father's house this. It's supposed to be a house of prayer. He got really, really upset, Gentile Cornelius. That room wasn't made for
for the Gentiles as well. And that's why I'm here, Nicodemus, or uh, Cornelius. He sent me because he cares about you as well for all nations. That's the Jesus I walked around with for three years. Zeal ate him up. How do these play out in our lives? Well, uh, I'm aware of the fact that you're going to uh, repave your parking lot and add some more on. What do you do that for? Maybe to make room for the Gentiles. <laughs> make room for other people to come and uh, park their cars. That's how this plays out in our lives. What would Jesus do? This has really excited me. I don't know if you know there's this trend today. It has been for the last few years. And I read the book called One Word where you pick out a word for the year and you try and make that your theme word. I, I don't know where I'm at on that, but I tell you what, through this, thinking this through, I thought, if there's a word I want to live out this year, and I'm striving to, it's the word uh, benefacting. I've received so much from the great benefactor Jesus that I want the adventure of benefacting other people to use my resources and my time, my treasures, talents, whatever, to benefact those that I come across as I just walk about. And you know, sometimes it's just a brief, it can be a smile. You know, uh, the other day I went to the Mean Bean. You know what the Mean Bean is? It's a coffee shop in Bremen to meet with Jordan down there. And uh, I was kind of preoccupied on something and the little girl came up there and she had a tip jar and it says, for school. And I said, yeah, I have a black coffee. And uh, so uh, I reached in my billfold and I was thinking, because I was preoccupied, I'll pull out $2, but I didn't have $2, so I pulled out a five, laid a five down. And she says $1.70. And I said, okay, I said, just, just put the rest in the tip jar. I meant 30 cents. And she goes, wow, thank you. And pulled $3.30 out of the drawer and put it in the tip jar. My first reaction was, no, no, I forgot. <laughs> I thought I gave you two ones. But I thought I was too proud to do that, you know. So I didn't. And uh, I just, I said, oh. And I thought, why? Because first I thought, why is she so excited about 30 cents? And I went and sat down and I thought, I'm happy I did that just by her reaction. What's three bucks at the end of life, you know? Um, and I thought, you know, I want to do that. That's going the extra mile. That went, that's that little shocker in life. Uh, generous to a fault, you know? Um, gracious to a fault. That I think would attract people to Jesus through us. Now, going back to that balancing act. It could be very easy for everybody to go out and say, you know, I, I just want to meet people's needs, social needs, hunger, thirsty. And that's great. We saw that Jesus did that from the time of the John the Baptist until his ascension. But he says to Cornelius, he came and gave his life for the forgiveness of sins. Don't ever err by not mentioning that. The greatest benefit he gave us is to his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension for the forgiveness of our sins. <laughs> but what does he want us to do now? 
I think share that story. That's the greatest benefit we can do for other people. But I, I would challenge you to make your, your own A to Z list and think through then, what are some ways? And then just look at daily life. I think it'll shock you how you can just be bringing benefits out to other people because of all the benefits that you've received that you now can share. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for yourself, for the forgiveness of sins, for salvation, for redemption. Those could all be in this list as well. But Lord Jesus, I pray that between now and the day that we're with you, that we would share the good news of Jesus Christ, but also they would see Christ in our lives as we go around through your resources, benefacting to other people. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.